As a OneOuter.com podcast listener, we're offering a special discount for joining PokerXFactor.com. You can qualify for a massive $70 off your sign-up. All you need to do is enter promotional code OneOuter70. That's O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-7-0. speak with Dusty Schmidt, uh, aka Leatherass Online, a legendary cash game grinder, poker stars pro, um, author and a good golfer. Uh, how are you doing today, Dusty? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Barry? I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, great. It's, it's great to speak with you. Um, so yeah, I've just it's quite fun. I'm actually uh, reading your book, uh, Treat Poker Like a Business. Um, forgive me, is that the correct title? Yeah, it's called Treat Your Poker Like a Business. Treat your poker like a business. That's it. I'm actually reading it um, just now. I'm maybe like a hundred pages in, and I, f- I find it fascinating. Um, it's one of these books that sort of hits with my mindset. Um, I used to buy and sell antiques and collectibles and stuff, and I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, and um, been playing poker for about two and a half uh, years. And just to sort of tie it in, thinking about it, you know, from a business sort of standpoint and seeing similarities and stuff, I think it's a a sort of fresh way uh, to do it because I see a lot of crossovers with trading, financial trading in poker. And um, what sort of made you write that book? Um, Well, I just sort of saw this this gap in in sort of understanding amongst poker players of what, uh, what really goes into making money in poker. And there's a lot of people that have, you know, some pretty decent poker games, but they just have some sort of fundamental flaws in how they more or less treat their poker like a business. So you might have one guy that just maybe has, like, a desire for whatever reason to just always play against, you know, the best players. And maybe he, like, likes to be challenged and stuff. And um, as a result, you know, he's always sitting with, players better than him even though he's pretty good and so as a result he's not making any money and that would be a you know an an obvious example of somebody that could probably quit their day job one day and could probably make uh, money at poker if they simply game selected properly and uh, and and so that that's obviously like a you know a really uh, basic one but you know you're right in terms of uh you know, just the you were talking about the similarities and treating poker like a business. And I've actually gotten a number of CEOs, in fact, some CEOs from Fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. that have reached out to me, have read the book, and have said that they've even brought it into like executive boardrooms and yeah, um, you know, wanted to kind of like speak like a poker lingo um, mm-hmm. within the office. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I've done a few speaking engagements. Um, and presentations to businesses and stuff. And so um, you're right, it's it's had uh, this sort of, uh, you know, pretty cool cool impact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, well, I think it's, for me personally, I mean, when I first started playing, I read a lot, there was a lot of strategy books out there, uh, Super System, Theory of Poker, you know, etc. And I've, I've read them, and yeah, they've, they've got their place and stuff, but from a personal point of view, books like Treat Your Poker Like a Business that you've wrote, and to be honest, I've learned a lot more about improving my game, and I've came on in a player with reading books to do with other things, not even 
remotely related to poker, like I'm talking about trading and mindsets of these hedge fund guys. I mean, there was a, an old guy, Larry Height, and he was talking about um, EV concepts and stuff like that. And he just put it in a very simple way, you know, speaking about some people make money on a bad bet and you can make money on a good bet, but you can also lose money on a good bet, etc. And it was just hammering home points of if you keep making the good bets and you keep being on the right side of the coin sort of thing, then in the long run, you know, it will even out. And it's that was nothing to do with poker, but that sort of got that ingrained in my mind a lot more than some of the strategy books. And um, a lot of the hedge fund guys and uh, trade and things, they speak about, you know, cut your losses and ride your winners, etc., Whereas a lot of people do the opposite. They stay at the table until they, you know, they try and get even and things. So yeah, just, it's amazing how business, trading and poker, it's sort of, you know, all interrelated. Do you think trading something you maybe would have done if you didn't go into poker or? You know, po- possibly. I don't know if, uh, if, if I would have gone in or not, but I, I definitely, knowing what I know now, uh, it might have been something I, I would have gone into. I do think I have, a pretty good mindset for, uh, that, uh, profession for sure and you know there's i mean you know you're talking about uh you know the traders and and the things that they do and you know riding the winners and dumping the losers and stuff and Mm -hmm. you know as as how that uh pertains to poker you're right i mean there's so many people who you know they're more inclined to play their longest sessions when they're losing and they're you know and when they're tilting and, and uh there's just there's just so many so many different things you know they have maybe uh, poor bankroll management and you know I sort of went into quite a bit on how that can affect um, your poker business uh, yeah beyond just um, beyond just how you would sort of um, struggle with uh, sorry I <laughs> it's okay <laughs> my, my my daughter's coming. And the oh, right. unexpectedly, and I, uh, I became <laughs> back there. Anyway, we'll just uh, we'll move on from there. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was reading your book as I say, I'm about a hundred pages in. I've not finished it yet, um, but I, I I can't put it down. I'm reading, you know, and it, it's nice small chapters which I find good for things like that. It's easy to take a bit in and then come back to it rather than these long long chapters when you're trying to get some new concepts or trying to remember things. So I recommend the book anyway. Um, so Dusty, if you just want to tell us about how you got your start in poker and how you started in the game. Yeah, I actually got in a game that would be, I actually got into the game in sort of an opposite way that I would actually uh, preach. Um, I got into it, uh, well, I mean, how I got into it was fine. I just started, you know, developing a sort of passion for the game and playing really small stakes and stuff like that. And then uh, I ended up it's sort of a long story, but I ended up finding myself in a position where um, a job that I was supposed to have completely fell through, mm-hmm. and it was at a time when I really needed money, so I only had about $1,000 left in my name, and I had more than that in bills due by the end of the month, mm-hmm. and so I pretty much decided I was more or less screwed anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. because I needed to make money, and I, need, and I had less money than I owed uh, just to, like stay in my apartment so uh, I put it all online and just said hey you know I've, I've been making a little bit of money at this poker thing not a lot you know well let's see what I'm made of and so 
I decided to basically just grind out as many bonuses and try and get as much, you know, uh, bonus money as possible and played about seven, eight hundred hours in the first two months alone. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. I basically did not do anything other than play poker and sleep. Mm-hmm. And was, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I read you were you know a, a pro golfer or yeah, yeah, and that was right before I got into poker. I was like 22 wow. years old, starting yeah. to do pretty good at, at golf and and starting to kind of come into my own as a professional golfer, mm-hmm. and had a heart attack, and that sort of derailed that, and that's what kind of led me to poker is sort of like a competitive outlet uh, because I wasn't really able to compete at golf uh, as well as I'd like. Yeah, uh, it's quite a competitive game, except, again, cross crossovers with poker and other things in life as well. You know, the mindset, the practice, except in putting the hours in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, golf taught me a ton about how to go about playing poker. You know, I, I had had sort of a, you know, a really good work ethic and golf and and i really wanted it a lot and i understood a lot and also through my through my experience working uh uh for the family business i spent about three years um working on that quite a bit and that taught me a lot about business as well as just kind of growing up around having a family business so i kind of had this background of you know competitiveness and success and competition and business and not a ton of success, obviously. I wouldn't have been down to my last thousand dollars, but <laughs> I had I had I had experience and and I learned a lot of lessons from things, and then I was able to sort of apply it all mm-hmm. that I business wise and competitive wise to uh, to poker, and, and the result was good. So and it just clicked. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, with hard work and that, but all those pieces just came together. I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's what ultimately led me to be able to. Uh, get through that really tough time, and I put that thousand online, and I ended up turning it into something like, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand pretty quickly, and then kind of really got the ball rolling. And you know, fast forward kind of a year and a half, two years later, I was able to really uh, build upon that and, and take my career to to a whole new level. So, um, in terms of money management, um, what were your thoughts then, and what are they now? Um, is there a great difference? Um. Well, when I, you know, when I put the thousand dollars on, that was sort of a unique circumstance, and that was obviously, like I said, wouldn't be a, a path that I would recommend uh, yeah. pro career. But yeah, I mean, I started right off at like fifty cent a dollar limit holding. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess technically I had a pretty good bankroll for that. But, um, you know, and, and that was just a good way to kind of clear the bonuses and earn the points to to clear those bonuses. So, um. Since then, you know, once I sort of got off my feet and, and started to do things the right way, which is basically as soon as I got a bankroll, that's when I really started to get into the metrics of, like, how many hands can I play, how much can I expect to make per hand, uh, you know, how, what are the various impacts on the number of tables I'm playing, is, is more always better, does it, there become a point where you can play four as well as eight, but not 12 as well as eight? Or excuse me, eight, eight as well as four, but not twelve as as well as eight. And so you need to find the sort of sweet spot where you're kind of maximizing win rate and maximizing hands played. But you can't just try and, for example, maximize hands played and have it severely impact your win rate. But then you can't 
focus too much on your win rate and not get enough hands played because then you won't make money that way either. So you have to sort of find that sweet spot. And I'm not sure anybody really knows what mm-hmm. the perfect sweet spot is for them, but I think I've got it in a pretty good ballpark. Um, yeah. So that's when I started focusing on all that stuff. Once I had a bank and I could properly go about uh, treating my poker like a business. So do you have a sort of rule, like a set number of buy-ins, or does it also depend on many other factors like control and tilt and just the game selection, etc.? Well, in my book, I advocate 100 buy-ins for mm-hmm. each um, for, for the game you're playing. Now, one thing I will clear up, because I am working on the sequel right now. I'm actually halfway through Treat Your mm-hmm. Like a Business 2. Uh, one thing I'm really focusing on is... Uh, sort of a, a business plan for that. But one thing I'll certainly touch on uh, in the book is is a further explanation of the the 100 buy-in sort of rule that I created in, in my book. And so I, I basically, like in a nutshell, I think you should have 100 buy-ins if you're playing at a professional level for the stakes that, that you play. Like in a professional level being defined as poker is your sole source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's very, very important to play with 100 buy-ins. I've never played myself with anything less than 100 buy-ins at uh, at a given stake, other than uh, the, those first couple, you know, weeks I played poker. But um, a lot of people have taken that very literally, in the sense that they play recreationally and they just want to make some part-time income, and they're saying. Oh man, how you know how am I ever going to progress through the limits without, you know, with, with always having the hundred buy-in? And and that's definitely a fair question. One where if you are a part-time player, you are somebody who, you know, is maybe just even trying to enjoy the game, or or even somebody that's, um, you know, like a semi-professional. You don't necessarily need a hundred buy-ins for your limit. I just like to err on the side of caution if poke is your everything. You know, in recent years, people have looked at things like the Chris Ferguson Challenge, um, where they advocate sort of 20 buy-ins. But, you know, I know a lot of my friends and a lot of other guys who aren't, you know, quite there can easily drop, you know, five, six buy-ins in a day, etc. And I know they tell you to move down limits, but is 20 buy-ins just, you know, far, far too short? Oh, absolutely. I mean, 20, 20 buy-ins, I mean, is that that's just kind of an absurd statement, I think, uh, to mm-hmm. that you know, you'd want to play professionally on 20 buy-ins. I mean, 20 buy-ins is certainly fine if, like I said, if you're recreational or if you're semi-pro. I mean, as long as it's not your sole source of income, I mean, ultimately it's up to you. But yeah. if, if it's your sole source of income, anybody trying to make it on a 20 buy-in uh, rule will will go broke. I can say that definitively. There's no question they will, they will go bust uh, often. 100 buy-ins, I think... Unless you're doing, unless you start playing really poorly, I don't. You know, I've played nine million hands at this point, approaching ten million. I mean, that's just insane, isn't it? When you hear never, nine million, huh? <laughs> and I've never had a hundred buy-in downswing. I've I've had two for a long time. In fact, my highest downswing was like thirty, and mm-hmm. recently in the last year, I had like two sixty buy-in downswings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's yourself. I think that should go as a warning to young guys. I mean, it should sort of be a warning to people sort of listening that are playing off thirty. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a hundred buy-in roll, you know, sixty gets you down to forty. You know, mm-hmm. and you when you lose sixty like that, so 
that uh, you know that that can be a little bit scary for some people. I mean, so I, note to self, I I need to drop down a level after I finish this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so maybe in terms of like a three steps that some young guy that's looking at starting out or a recreational player that's looking to move up the limits, what's the three main key areas that you would say, you know, to focus on? Yeah, I mean, first off, the 100 buy-in rule is going to be really important. Make sure, I mean, definitely don't go off quitting your job unless you have at least 100 buy-in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would be even risky to me. I mean, I'd want to have some some personal money and, you know, 100 buy-ins, uh, certainly. And, and, you know, ideally like six months living expenses and, you know, 100 buy-ins for your game with those two things being uh, separate. Um, the other thing is more of like a philosophical thing. I mean, it's just be prepared to work your ass off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be really important. I mean, a lot of people, they're getting into poker as a way to sort of escape uh, having to work hard. Those people are in for a pretty rude awakening when they realize how competitive poker is and how the downswings can be tough and and just the grind of playing for a living day after day. Um, you know, it's it's gone for me from being like one of my favorite things to do to something that I very much view as a job now. And, and you know, I do get enjoyment. I, I, I mostly get enjoyment out of poker through doing things like you know, playing in the World Series or playing on a TV cash game show or something like that as opposed to just grinding online. I mean, in terms of grinding online, I'd, there's a lot of things I'd rather be doing now. <laughs> Whereas yeah. there times in my life when it was the only thing I wanted to be doing. So be prepared to work hard. Be prepared to not enjoy it as much as, you know, and not have the enthusiasm mm-hmm. quite that you do at the time you get into it. Um and lastly, you know, it's almost another kind of philosophical thing. Just make sure you're uh, you're prepared to really like play for a living and make it a career that's sort of a a long career. I mean, you don't want to get anything. It's not going to be something where you're going to want to hit and run the the profession. It's you're not going to like typically just make a million dollars real quick and, and retire. You know, be prepared for like a long grind and be prepared for what that's going to do to you um, emotionally, socially, um, you know, just just the idea of staring at a computer screen, being behind, um, you know, not or excuse me, not really dealing with uh, people the way you once, you know, were and and just, you know, it's, it's a different sort of lifestyle. I mean, I came from background of golf I was outdoors a lot I was socializing with people a lot I really enjoyed that you know I was out in good weather and you know now I'm frequently you know behind a computer screen and not you know seeing people face to face as much as I'd like Mm -hmm. and that stuff can wear on you over time I mean it's something that I wouldn't have thought of going into a career but now that I'm you know in my seventh year as a pro those things kind of wear on you. I mean, you know, you're in a either in a casino or, or behind a computer screen, and you know, you're just not outdoors. So if you're somebody that's, you know, enjoys being outdoors a lot and stuff like that, like understand that, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have some internal conflicts from time to time, and and you know, just just be aware that, that poker is 
you know, understand that if you're getting into it now, this is as excited as you'll ever be. And excitement will kind of wane. But at the same time, I'm not trying to create a gloomy picture. I'm not trying to say, like, you know, the profession sucks or anything like that. Like, in many ways, I can't even think of a better thing to do, with, you know, for a living. So um, I think that, uh, you know, so, again, I don't want to pay paint a, a dark picture or anything but just you you, you know you are going to have these battles whereas with a normal job you might just go on nine to five have a few beers afterwards not even think about it anymore and there's a lot of merit to that after after yeah. you know i used to think like man i never want something like that i like passionate about it but now after after nine million hands you're thinking about it yeah now you're like man i kind of wouldn't mind just nine to five punch the clock get the hell out of dodge and go have a beer with my buddies like yeah, I think it's a sacrifice. Um, the key thing with poker is your income can be, you know, it is exponential, whereas with a nine-to-five, it's limited. Um, there are obviously positives and negatives to both, but I just think, you know, it's finding the right balance, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, the thing is with poker, there's going to be times where it's just important to, to really grind mm-hmm. for a long period of time, you know, day after day after day. I mean you get like for example the world championship online poker on poker stars or the spring championship online poker or the cash games are really good sometimes around like the holidays you know like christmas uh new Year's stuff like that like there's definitely lots of times where you get stretches where it's really important to play 20 out of 21 days or something mm-hmm. um, and maybe play eight hours plus every day and you know then you might take a week off or something like that but um <clears throat> The point is, is like you just you can get in these really long stretches where you're just sort of consumed by the game, and you're you know it's not a social thing typically, and you know you're behind the computer screen, um, or you're at a casino and you're you know with a bunch of grinders and or a bunch of people who are kind of miserable because they're getting bad beats or whatever. So like you just you gotta you know keep all that stuff in mind that that's that's part of it, and, and there's gonna be you know, there's going to be some battles, um, you know, in your head that, that kind of go on with, uh, with, you know, kind of dealing with poker during those types of stretches. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time it can feel like a battle, but if you can persevere and come through the other side, then it will feel more of a reward and that you've earned it and probably become a more, you know, rounded person. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, every everything you do is is all kind of goes into like who you are and who you become, and and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a fun journey, but it's it's not without its challenges. Okay, I think it's a good time to sort of change the mood and make it a bit upbeat before we've got a lot of young poker players uh, looking for the nearest bridge or you know, going getting a job in Starbucks. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so. So you have a new book out um, called Don't Listen to Phil Helmuth, um, a controversial or well, maybe an emotive title. Um, can you maybe go into that? Yeah, Don't Listen to Phil Helmuth is the title of the book. Yeah, so, I mean, the subtitle is Correcting the 50 Worst Pieces of Advice You've Ever Heard. Um, so basically what happened was at the World Series of Poker this summer, I was hanging out with buddies and we got to talking about all of the various things we'd heard at the tables just kind of all the old cliches and you know not to pick on mike sexton because i love him but just kind of a lot of the mike sexton like um 
you know, type of, you know, lead out and find out where you stand and, <laughs> and some of these, you know, bits of advice. And then obviously Phil Helmy's advice. And, you know, we, we heard so many Helmy's cliches like, you know, a guy will play ace jack and he'll lose a big pot with it at the World Series. And he'll be like, ah, knew I should have stuck to Phil Helmy's top ten hands, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and ace jack's not in the list. So, um you know, and, and they were serious too. I mean, I might have said that as, out of a joke, but um, so we 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 heard sort of all these cliches and got to talking about them, and we started to realize that you know the poker world in general sort of they 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 almost have kind of had like a disservice uh, placed upon them in the sense that the the people that they're sort of taught or told through the medium of television to, to look up to mm-hmm. uh, are really not the people you should be listening to, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, a guy like Phil Hellmuth, really his, his brain, poker brain, probably doesn't work as well as most people playing 1-2 online that are, that are winners in those games. I mean, he just doesn't think very deeply about um, the game in and, and, and ways that other people do. And as a result, and also as a result of trying to capitalize on you know, fame, and, and I'm not talking about just homies specifically, but all, you know, all the types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're putting out books and, you know, they're, they're or videos or DVDs or whatever, and they're, you know, just kind of regurgitating all these tired old cliches, and they're not really getting into the really the deep thinking of, of poker. And as a result, a lot of people's careers never get off the ground or their growth gets tremendously stunted because... Um, they're not really being taught the right way to to play poker, to think about poker. I know myself, I played, um, you know, I, I got going and, you know, I used to I used to think Phil Helmuth was, you know, the man. I used to think, well, shit, I mean, he's won 11 bracelets or 10 at the time, I guess. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy knows his stuff and he says play the top 10 hands. And I remember even getting in like, yeah, I mean, this is when I was just a total fish. You know, back in like '04, probably like I'd lose a big pot to somebody, and you know, I might type in like, you know, oh that was lucky for you, or I can't believe you played that hand or something. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I shouldn't even been chatting. I mean, in the first place about stuff like that, but that's beyond. That's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I might get beat with my ace king to like a six four suited. Oh, how can you play that hand? And the guy's like, you know, dude, the stacks were 300 big blinds deep and you, you, you know, min raised before the flop or something. Like, yeah. I had good implied odds. Like, and obviously we know there's, there's nothing wrong with playing a 6-4 suited, like in position with super deep stacks, especially against a guy that you might have a good read on. <laughs> and I, I typed back, I was like, I was like, oh, well, you know, I I don't I don't think you know more than Phil Helmuth and Phil Helmuth says play the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know I was kind of like that was my comeback like oh how could you you know debate that he's won ten bricks and so I sort of bought I I'm one of those guys that have bought into like the marketing concept Phil Helmuth's the best poker player in the world he has all these bracelets and hey Phil Helmuth you know I mean at this point I mean I don't I, I really don't want to like 
pick on him too much, but it, he's just not very good. He's just not. And 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 for him to be saying some of these things is just really a tremendous disservice uh, to, to the poker community. And so I sort of had this I, with with all this all these kind of thoughts and experiences in my head. I thought, well, why not write a book that basically teaches people how to think and teaches people why things that you know the the commentators or Phil Helmuth or whatever are saying like why they're flawed how you really should be approaching the game you know I mean the concept of the book is not to like just simply correct I'm I'm not like you know uh, I'm I'm not like oh here's the actual answer you know I mean, most most of these things are so absurd that they've said uh, <laughs> that are in the book that people who can play at all know that know that they're false that's not the idea of the book the idea of the book is to kind of use these these uh, quotes from various players and sort of like quickly dispel the, the, the myth behind them and then explain how in all these like scenarios that are like the scenarios we're talking about, like how you should be thinking about it, how you should be playing it. Um, and so it, it, it lets you kind of get into the mindset of how top poker pros really approach certain uh Situations and and I, I think uh, you know the feedback so far has been tremendous. So uh, we think we did a good job, but uh, I guess the verdict's still out. We're still looking yeah. for people to to you know let us know what they think. I mean, you know, I understand. I've interviewed Phil Helmuth, and I found him to be a really really nice guy, uh, really genuine. Um, nothing like what I've seen, you know, his table persona. Um, surely, you know, Helmuth has been good for the game. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's no question that Phil Helmy's been been good for the the game of poker. I mean, there's some things where I think he's been kind of bad for the game of poker, like representing Ultimate Bet and sending business. Yeah. Um, I think him trying to capitalize on his, his fame in such a way where he'll just crank out a book without much thought, and then people are reading that book expecting that you know the guy's put his heart and soul into it when he hasn't. Um, I think I think in in some of those ways I think that that's uh, um, you know where where he uh, where he's he's kind of fallen short but uh, there's no doubt he's he's been good for the game of poker now I'm definitely careful to you know I, I had a couple guys you know write me and and say you know how can you pick on somebody who's been ambassador for poker mm-hmm. and you know he's done so much for the game what have you done for the game um, you know, how many fans have you brought into poker? Well, I mean, fair enough in the sense that I don't think too many people are playing poker because, you know, they hear about me <laughs> necessarily. And yeah. They might get excited about it with, with, with Helmuth, however. But I'm, I wouldn't go so far as to, like, say he's an ambassador for poker. I think he's an ambassador for his pocketbook. And then it happens to also help poker. I don't, like, if he was going around promoting poker and donating everything he made promoting poker to charity or something, then I'd be uh-huh. like, wow, this guy is this guy is quite an ambassador for poker. Um, I appreciate what he's doing. He's doing, you know, great for all of us. But I think he's being an ambassador for his pocketbook first and foremost, which I'm I'm not gonna pick on. That's fine. Uh-huh. And, and I'm not gonna and I don't I you know, most people probably wouldn't even pick on Phil Helmuth if he took Daniel Negrano's approach. If you notice you know, Negrano, like, his sort of admission that, that the game, you know, has kind of evolved and, and maybe he got behind the evolution there a little bit and 
now he's he's playing catch up and and seems to be doing a great job of that. Um, Daniel Negreanu, you know, people used to pick on him. Now they're like, now now the tide has turned. They're like, oh, Negreanu is great, like, you know, because he admits that you know what I got, you know, so involved with, you know, promoting poker, being on television shows and everything. I didn't have as much time to work on my game, and I kind of watch a lot of these kids pass me by. You know, that's what makes people, you know, really love Daniel Negreanu. But yeah. Helmuth, you know, I think you said he might have said something recently, but um, Helmuth, for the for the as long as I know, has you know sat at tables with Durr and Ivy and and Antonius and on television said and, and made one good play and said, hey, this is why I'm the best poker player. <laughs> And this is why I'm the best no limit hold'em player, and you know, and, you know, and and he thinks that, or he's stated numerous times that this evolution in the game, you know, the answer is just to trap them more because they're so aggressive, and it's just not the answer. I mean, so I, I guess when when he doesn't sort of is is unwilling to to sort of admit it, that's where I think he loses some people. So it, it would be fine to me if he said, you know what. Yeah, I got passed by by a bunch of people. You know why? Because I've been promoting poker, been promoting websites, I've been, you know, emceeing events and all that stuff. And that would be understandable. I mean, you can't expect anybody to stay on top of their game while they've got all this other stuff going on. But at least be honest with everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is about, you know, Phil Helmuth, the brand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a guy's throw him in as a catalyst because they know people are going to have a go at him and they know he's going to get off and have, have a tantrum and like that and do it. So, so you're a poker stars pro, Dusty, um, and poker stars recently signed Victor Blom, aka Isildur One, which was amazing, and um, he's got his Victor Blom challenge. Uh, is there any plans for you to play that? I know. I think I read somewhere the highest you play is twenty five fifty online regularly, sort of thing, but. Um, is it something like that you would be interested in? Yeah, I mean, I've played higher a few times. I've played, you know, fifty hundred. I've played seventy five, one fifty, no limit. Um, but uh, actually, I take that back. I played one two hundred um, a few times as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bulk of my poker throughout my career has been at five ten. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I've been at. Um, not because. I can't play higher or I can't win it higher. I've won at every limit I've played at, you know, more than 10,000 hands, we'll say. And so I think the main thing for me is just that, I mean, shit, I, I, I had a few years making over a million dollars a year playing 510. I just don't see that. That seems like a pretty good formula to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, if I can, if I can keep it, my down swings to fifty thousand or less, and make a million dollars, then that sounds like like a a, a pretty darn good deal. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for that if you're offering that through your website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I haven't done that, didn't do that last year, but you know, I've, I've had a number of years, and that's kind of the, the thought process behind it. But um, yeah, I, I mean. I, you know, like I wrote in Treat Your Poker Like a Business, I, I'd rather keep the home I'm in than try and get a second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things are good. Um, now, I did I did kind of have a similar problem. Like I played, you know, a good problem, but um, I played 1-2 one, 
for a really long time, a lot longer than I should have looking back. I played 1-2 and absolutely destroyed 1-2 for like a year or so. And the games were a little softer then. But, I mean, I think I won uh, 16 big blinds for 100 over a million hands at 1-2. Yeah. At, at and so, but and just the fact that I destroyed it for that many hands tells you I played there for too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was making like 30, 40 grand a month at 1-2, and I was just like, I mean, I'm making 30 or 40 grand a month. I have everything I need and then some, and I don't have to risk very much, and this seems like a pretty good deal. And eventually one of my friends was like, dude, you got to play a little bit higher. I mean, this is ridiculous. You're killing this game, and mm-hmm. you can kill it. So then I moved up to 5-10 and 10-20 and stuff. And then I started, you know, I averaged like over 100000 a month for for two years straight. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was leaving money on the table there for a while. So, I mean, part of me goes, you know, maybe I should play 25-50, you know, 10-20 a lot more. And... You know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a lot more money out there. I mean, maybe I'm leaving a lot on the table. And the thing is, is like, I mean, one, I don't think it's quite as obvious as when you're beating a game for 16 blinds per 100 that you should move up. And secondly is I know I can beat that, those games, but I, I also know that I'm bound to face, you know, a three or $400,000 downswing at some point. And I really just don't even want to deal with it. Like, even if I am leaving some money on the table, I just don't even care. Like, I don't even want to go through that in my life. Like, I'm pretty happy with things, and I've got plenty of money, and I just don't even want to deal with it. Yeah, I think it goes back to the sort of shot taken. It's it's specific to there. I mean, you're a family guy, um, yeah. and yeah. Victor Blom's a guy, early 20s. Obviously, still still feel, but it, it, it doesn't have... Probably as much as an impact and as much emotional stress when it's just yourself you have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I just want to make sure I can put them through college and I can, you know, maybe if uh, they graduate and, and uh, uh, you know, they have a business idea, I mean, I'd love to be able to give them some seed money to get them going, you know, and I, I want to be able to have money for these types of things and mm-hmm. there's no reason I won't as long as. I don't do anything stupid, basically. Um, that's kind of the way I'm, I look at it. And there's just not a whole... Like, I look at it as I have, like... You know, from an EV perspective, maybe I'm giving something up. But I look at it as more like, do I have more to gain or more to lose? And I don't really think I have hardly anything to gain because I already have everything I need. I have everything to lose. I mean, I've spoken with uh, Daniel Cates, you know, Jungleman. Um, and he said it... The, the, the challenge was a sort of ego thing, and maybe the Victor Blom challenge is just sort of the same. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I can almost assure you no time in the near future will I be taking on Isildur or whoever is the next Isildur, you know, five years from now. I mean, I, I actually do. I, I would kind of enjoy being like uh, Elliot Lezer is a good example. Like, he has an absurd amount of money. And he's actually a pretty good player as well. But um, the point is, like, I mean, he'll he'll play really high stakes and he'll do a lot of the fun stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be playing as older. I'd love to be playing, you know, 200, 400 more and 500, 1,000 and stuff. But I, I have more of, like, a real-world sort of 
perspective on on things. Like people will think like, oh man, you got three or four million dollars, like played five hundred one thousand. Like you know, if you lose a couple buy-ins, no big deal. And uh-huh. In the real world, like if you asked a guy who had three or four million dollars to like risk, you know, four or five hundred thousand on it, like a card game. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's going to laugh at you. He's going to be like, well, I mean, what's like, why would I do that? Like the people that risk three or 400,000 on a, on a card game, um, are people that have like a hundred million, you know, or like a billion, you know, when I have, you know, not when, I mean, if, you know, who knows how things will go, but it, you know, if a day comes where I have, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, mm-hmm. then you know, I'd be happy to to play as older just for the fun of it, but I, I don't want it to represent like a chunk of money I value. You know. Well, here's here's a naughty question for you. Okay. <laughs> if Phil Helmuth sits down on Poker Stars and they open up a five hundred, a thousand table, would you play them? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would actually. I would go very high for me. To play Phil Hellmuth because I think the edge is so undeniably significant that I, I I can't pass that up. Like like I mean all of the things I'm saying is predicated upon uh, my assumption that the people I'm playing against I don't have very much edge on. Now if there were like five of the worst players on the internet sitting at five hundred one thousand I would sit. I mean I really would. I mean it, it's just it's too good to pass up. I'm so likely to make like 400k in that game in like a matter of like a couple of hours that um, I just I can't pass it up. But mm-hmm. um, you know I would have to set a stop loss because I'm not gonna like you know bomb off like nine buy-ins or anything like in a, yeah. like that if I'm running real bad. But I would I would take that shot. Now with Phil, you know. You know, and if Isildur was terrible, I mean, I would play Isildur in the 5100, I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously not terrible. So, but like with, with Phil, I mean, I don't know what is the highest stakes I'd play him, but I'm, I, I'm really confident I would play him in at least 200, 400 if, if he, uh, if he wanted to, just because I think that, uh, I just think he's just too good to pass up. Yeah. Okay, so Dusty, you're one of these guys who, um, you know, at the start of the year, sets plans and plans out his schedule when it comes to poker. Or, um, do you have anything specific in mind you're going to be up to this year, or do you just sort of let things happen? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm actually going in a couple of weeks to the uh, NAPT down at the Bike um, in Los Angeles. Um, that's March 4th through 10th. I'm going to be playing that. Mm-hmm. Also, go to the World Series. Uh, last year, I rented a house and. Uh, Brought my whole family down there and kind of made it like a home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, um, my wife is uh, expecting again. We're having our second child. Mm, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And uh, so she's going to be a little too pregnant to be down there at that time. So I'm going to kind of like fly in for maybe like, you know, five or six days, you know, two or three times throughout the five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, and, and just, you know, play like half the World Series and. Uh, it's not ideal for me, but this is probably the only year I think that uh, I'll have to do that. And then, um, and then as far as uh, well, I, I also have a couple 
potential invites to some TV cash games that I intend to play if uh, if I do in fact get the nod. Mm-hmm. Online wise, I'm just gonna I'm actually doing something a tiny bit different this year where I'm focusing on uh, tournaments uh, on Sundays and during major online poker series. So like right. the the scoop and the W coop uh, on Poker Stars. I'll be playing all those and then um, I'll try and get a million cash game hands in there this year, but I, you know, I might not make it quite to a million. Mm. That's might, you might need to with another on the way. <laughs> yeah, no, <I'm> kidding. Those, <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, uh, those kids are expensive, for sure. Yeah. Well, Dusty, um, really thank you for your time. Don't wish to take up any more of your valuable time. And um, it's been a pleasure. I'll keep an eye out for you on the tournament circuit, uh, the World Series, and also few of the TV cash games, etc. Cheers. That sounds great. Thanks, Barry. I appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed it.